Welcome to the Jesus Never Ran podcast, where we look at slowing down our lives so we can focus on things that truly matter. I'm your host, Matt Kinzera. Let's take a walk. Getting it out there is so painful and awesome and lovely and, oh, when my burn burned down, Paradise of California burned down. So who am I to sit here and complain about my lot in life? There comes a point in time where you just have to milk the damn goat. That's the lion, that's the lion, that's the lion. That's it, man. That's it, bro. This week we hear from Jamie and Sarah McIntosh about their journey of adoption and foster care. He's good looking, I'm good looking. All right, we're, we're, we have a lot of similarities there. <laughs> Just a reminder that taking care of ourselves is one of the best ways to ensure we can take care of others and our world. Getting the right nutrition is, get this, 80% of your wellness journey. But with busy lives, who has time for a lot of meal planning and prep? And honestly, how do we even know what great nutrition is with all the conflicting information out there? Well, that's where Angie Niska and her team of wellness coaches at Rise Nutrition can help. Now, Rise is an Herbalife Nutrition Club, a place to get a delicious, healthy shake on the go. And I've had them, and they are delicious indeed. It's actually hard to believe that it's good for you. You can also work with a coach to customize a program and take products home no matter where you live. Find Rise Nutrition on Facebook.com slash Rise Menominee. That's Rise with a Z. And you can get all of their info and latest special flavors. And if you're in the Menominee area, stop by to taste it for yourself. To connect, just message them on Facebook or contact Angie at 715-308-0198 and take a step on your wellness journey. After all, our body is the house God gave us and it's our job to take care of it. Let me tell you, there are some people in this world who definitely deserve sainthood. And in my mind, the people that deserve that more than any others are those who decide to adopt and foster. I've known plenty of friends who have done both fostering and adopting, and I've seen the challenges that come with it. I've seen the heartache that comes with it. I've seen the joy that comes with it. It is a calling and it is a journey that we should all applaud and be so thankful for. And that's why it's so important that you hear from Jamie and Sarah McIntosh. These are a couple of people who ended up together. They ended up married together. And it's as if God was doing this work in them since way before they even met. And now he's bringing it to fruition by the work that they're doing in their own family and by helping other families. So here's a little bit about their backstory and how they got to where they are. I had a heart for adoption probably in high school is my first memory that I want to do that someday. I just know that I do. I love kids. I wanted to be a teacher. Um, I had a heart for kids. And there was just something about this that lit a fire in me even then. And so Jamie and I actually were friends for three years before we started dating. And during that time, I was starting to notice some things about him. One of the things that I noticed was I want to adopt or foster one day, and he had mentioned that he wanted to do that too. As a Christian male in college, you were always had kind of this list of females that could be the one. And I remember it was one of those things, Sarah was on that list. She didn't know she was on the list, but she was on the list. And um, it was that we kind friends. of thing. And we were friends. 
friends and we were talking about, and I had had kind of that heart as well. And, and part of my upbringing um, at, in college was going to a Bible study and our mentor, Jay Anderson, he talked about, um, we were going through James, the book of James and the 127 verse about pure religion is caring for the orphans and the widows. And I just remember kind of, we were talking about it and he said something and it stopped me in my tracks. And I asked him, you know, can you say that again? Cause he said, you know, if we really believe that and we, if we live that, I think people outside the Christian world would take us more seriously. There was a time in my life when my wife Susie and I were asking the question, should we adopt? Should we foster? Should we consider something like that? Because we are starting to see people around us do that. And for us, we just could never get to that point where we said yes to it. And there were so many factors that go into that. But I want you to hear from Jamie and Sarah how they got to the point where they decided to pull the trigger and move forward with their adoption process because it wasn't the first thing they decided to do. We got married and right away we, we started talking about do we want to adopt our first child? And we prayed about it, we felt like it wasn't the right time, but we had really researched and looked into it. We had a biological child, we then prayed about it again. Should it now be our time? No, it wasn't the time. So we had another biological child. And actually, while I was pregnant with our second daughter, I just had a feeling I know the next one's going to be adopted. But I didn't say anything to Jamie. And he came up to me one day while I was pregnant and said, I think the next child is going to be adopted. And I said, I've actually been feeling that way too. So then we went through an almost two-year process to bring home our son, Lincoln, when he was 10 months old. and. The week after we got our referral for him, we found out we were pregnant. Everyone that I know that is adopted and everybody that I know who's engaged in foster care on any level, they started this journey because of their broken hearts. They started this journey because they saw this intense and incredible need and they decided that they were a part of the solution. There was a time that I remember, our, like our hearts were broken about some of the things we were finding out. We were also researching the Sudan and Africa and some things going on there and we're like, Lord, there's so many kids, so many orphans in the world. Mm -hmm. And I, like we were broken, like sobbing broken, begging God, what do we do about this? Really burdened by it and begging him. So we do one little thing and maybe it doesn't feel like anything compared to the size of the problem, but you do it and it leads to the next thing and then it leads to the next thing. And then over time here we have this ministry, but it was years of praying and just taking that little step and the next little step. A lot of times when you get overwhelmed or it gets hard, mm -hmm. sometimes in our mind we think quit. Mm -hmm. And really what it means is when things get hard, it might mean rest. And so there's a difference there between. Or it might mean you're doing it right. Or you're doing it right. That's the other side. <laughs> you think you're doing it's it wrong. It's really hard. Okay. Supposed, Let's keep know, it up. Yeah. Keep going in. But again, and I think that's the thing is it's rest and then it's also lean in. Mm -hmm. Lean into the hard things. And that's where all of a sudden the beauty comes from. Yeah. Too often in our culture, when things get difficult, we jump ship. And I'm so thankful that Jamie pointed out that when things get hard, sometimes that means that you need to dig in farther. Anybody that's accomplished anything great in this world will have an incredible story of overcoming difficult situations. And let me tell you from my own experience, there is no greater feeling than overcoming something difficult and realizing you're on the other side of it. And because you got through it, you're closer to your goals and your dreams. 
such good stuff. Now, I've been really interested to hear from Jamie and Sarah how they operate inside their household. This is what I mean by this. We live, now I live in the same community that Jamie and Sarah do. We live in a predominantly Caucasian city. And they adopted a little boy from Ethiopia. And I wanted to know, how do you do that? Because I know people who have adopted and people who foster, but I've never gotten a chance to be in their houses on a regular basis. So how do you help that boy? How do you help that adopted boy from Ethiopia feel as if he's just as much a part of this family as anybody else? Well, I think, you know, they talk about being colorblind <clears throat> and really that's not a good thing. It's good to we're say not we're not, you know, like, we're, we are different. I see colors all over the place. So we can't be colorblind when we're not. I yeah. mean, it's just not logically so, possible. And right. so let's not make something up that's not real. Our child is, he's a black boy mm-hmm. in a predominantly white culture of um, our city. I mean, probably 95%. And our family, yeah, yeah 95%. Caucasian in, in our community. So mm-hmm. there is something different because of his skin color. I've noticed it because I'll go and pick him up at school, our child from school, and kids will say, you know, is that your dad? And they don't get the connection, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, I think the big thing that I've found is honest questions deserve honest answers. Mm -hmm. And I think there's truth to that. We don't shy away from the hard questions. Mm -hmm. We are very open. There's um, Mother's Day in May, but the day before is Birth Mother's Day. And so we celebrate Birth Mother's Day because... Sarah's not his birth mother. And so Mm -hmm. we talk about that and we talk about, you know, those kind of things and we ask him questions and we ask him, you know, how are you feeling? What are your thoughts on it? And we talk as a family about it. And And we feel that we have the burden as his parents Mm -hmm. to initiate those conversations. Mm -hmm. He will, and he is always welcome to initiate those conversations and he knows that, Mm -hmm. but we don't want to put that burden on him. So Mm -hmm. we periodically will be intentional about having a conversation about how, you know, privately, usually not Mm -hmm. in front of all of his siblings, but are, have you been thinking about your birth mother lately? Mm-hmm. Have you been thinking about your birth father lately? Mm-hmm. You know, I was thinking about her and I've been praying about yeah. her. And, you know, I wonder this about her. I wonder what she's doing. Things like that. Mm-hmm. We have conversations about race with him mm-hmm. and we initiate those. Mm-hmm. And we have that with all of our children. Right. I mean, it's one of those things, too, as much as our adopted child or our foster children and talking to them, it's mm-hmm. also with our biological children and being open to them and saying, mm-hmm. you know, what questions do you have? How are you guys thinking about this? And, and I think we're very open to just reality of we love you all the same you're mm-hmm. all of our children doesn't mm-hmm. matter and mm-hmm. we'll always feel that way there's always the discussion of what's different and we also have a lot of discussions of what's similar and that's very mm-hmm. important too because my son and i we both have black hair his is the only one who's curly so that's a little different he's good looking i'm good looking all right we're, we're, we have a lot of similarities there so but oh it's also looking at yeah we can look at differences yeah. but there's also a ton of things that yes. there's no difference whatsoever i'm sure having a great sense of humor like jamie and sarah have does not hurt the situation one bit <laughs> such great perspective so much of that i've never even considered before and just knowing that is so helpful as a person even that hasn't adopted or hasn't fostered all of that is so helpful to have a better understanding of what's going on on the inside of the walls of a person's house who has adopted or fostered now i guess in the same vein how do they handle 
people who are outsiders that are asking questions that may be inappropriate. Even if their attentions aren't inappropriate so many times because we're uncomfortable or just because we lack the knowledge and information, we can say really ignorant things. Sometimes there's this fear of, am I doing it wrong? And so, you know, they don't know what to say. And, it, and that goes along with the colorblind thing. I think we have to be okay with saying, I don't know all the time, but I'm going to do the best I can. And I'm not trying to do it in a, as long as you're not doing it with malice or with any type of hatred or whatever, you know, mm -hmm. but really trying to learn and seek out, I think it's fine. I think there's people who get that. But when people do ask us questions, our concern is more about Lincoln hearing what we're mm -hmm. saying to answer that question rather than what the people are hearing. Is that your son? Mm -hmm. You know, or is is he your real child? Mm -hmm. Yeah, these are all my real children. Adopting or fostering all by itself is unbelievably admirable. Anybody who has taken this journey and felt this calling in their life, man, we should put them on a pedestal and let them know every day how spectacular they are. But Jamie and Sarah didn't stop there. They really felt that not only was their call to adopt, but their call was to get involved in the foster care system and to be an advocate for fostering in their community. So this is the start of that journey and this is how they got engaged in the Forgotten Initiative and promoting foster care in our community. So we kind of were just doing grassroots stuff for about five years where we were trying to um, put on Orphan Sundays. We started a small group. We got a group of people together to try to um, get some stuff going. And then after about five years of doing that, we felt like it was time um, for us to end. And kind we of back a, off a yeah. little bit. And then we got involved with the Forgotten Initiative about a year later. And mm -hmm. so it's been a 10-year process, I would say, in that. So, you know, when... You talk about Jesus never ran. It has mm -hmm. been a long process, but it's been a good process too. And sometimes it was very frustrating, but I think it was important in the learning process of getting where we are now. We've mm -hmm. learned so much, even though it sometimes you wish it was a little faster. Mm -hmm. I think we see now it's like, okay, there's reasons why it was that way. Now, although my wife and I talked about adoption and we talked about foster care, we never ended up actually going through with it. And there's a number of reasons for that, which I'm not going to get into. But that begs the question, if you have a heart for foster kids, if you have a heart to help this situation, but you don't feel a calling to actually be a foster parent or to actually adopt a child, what are ways that we can get involved? Is this an all or nothing thing where you foster or you do nothing? Or are there other things that we can do to help? I would say start researching. There's some great books, great podcasts, great blogs. Just get out there and start digging in. If it's something that you personally want to see if is going to be a fit for you and your family, maybe start volunteering or mentoring. Respite is a really great first step into that world if you are looking to get a little bit of experience. Respite care is when you take in kids just for like a weekend or so mom can go get a haircut during the day. It can be a short period of time, it can be several days, it can be just like every other weekend or one weekend a month and you would get certified by the county to do that mm -hmm. by just filling out some forms, getting a background check, and then I think it's one or two visits with a social worker. Mm -hmm. And then you get approved and you can start 
getting matched up with kids. Also, there's the Prudent Parenting Act. So if you know of foster families, Mm -hmm. that Prudent Parenting Act went into effect a few years ago. And so parents that have foster children are able to make decisions for them that they would make for their own child. So if I would let my own child go to this person's house to spend the night, then I can let my foster child do that without having to get permission from biological parents. That's a great starter, even just asking if you know a family who has mm-hmm. foster kids to you know, ask, can we take them for a few hours and get mm-hmm. to know them and do stuff like that? You can meet with a social worker. You can go to an informational meeting. There are several private agencies in our area. They have informational meetings that happen once a month or once every other month depending on the agency and just because you go to the info meeting does not mean that you are making a commitment Mm -hmm. so you can go Mm -hmm. um, find out more ask questions we were in the spot where probably a lot of people are when we first started Mm -hmm. where it's like what do we do what's our first step and one of the things that I would say is the first step is to take a step Mm -hmm. (laughs) and it's one of those things where we have become hyper vigilant, hyper excited of let's learn everything we can so Mm -hmm. then we can know it and then we can help other people because we saw that kind of gap where people were like, well, what do I do? I don't know what Mm -hmm. I do. And then they just don't do anything, you know? And so we want to be a a resource for that. The Forgotten Initiative is a resource for that. But really, I would say the first step is just to take a step. And what we found is that first step leads to the next step. Not everyone is called to foster. Not everyone Mm -hmm. is called to do respite. Or can at the time. But you can still help. You know, there Mm -hmm. was a story of a guy at a conference we went that he owns a restaurant and every time a new foster family gets a placement they give him them a free meal and that's his thing another really great resource is the reframing foster care book by jason johnson and he also has a website reframingfostercare.com it has questions in it to ask yourself and talk with a small group or even your spouse so that's a really good place to start if you're really wondering is this a fit the forgotten initiative has a blog and a podcast and those are really great resources so many great ways to get involved so if you're feeling led to be a part of this solution take one of those suggestions any one of them and just start somewhere i love jamie's perspective that just do something just start somewhere and then figure out the next step after that now any great thing comes with a lot of hardship You don't accomplish greatness in this world without it being difficult. And Jamie and Sarah are very open about the challenges that come with adopting and that come with leading an organization that is helping other people foster kids. Let's be very honest here, okay? It is not pretty all the time. No, No. it isn't. And trauma, having inviting trauma into your Mm -hmm. home Mm -hmm. is hard. Mm -hmm. I've heard it said an analogy is when you adopt or foster, Mm -hmm. um, it can reveal the cracks in any foundation. And I believe that that's Mm -hmm. true. Mm -hmm. It will bring out your weaknesses. It will, you know, highlight your, your tiredness, your weaknesses in your marriage, your weaknesses as a person. There were times and have been times that I have come to the end of myself. (laughs) There's been hard seasons. There's been hard Uh days. There's been hard years, Mm -hmm. but there's been places that are so beautiful that we wouldn't have got to without the hard. So it goes hand in hand. Mm -hmm. You get the beauty and you get the brokenness and they are living in harmony with one another. More than anything I've ever seen through our experience of foster care and adoption, it is an understanding of what God probably puts up with us (laughs) and an understanding of the mess and the junk that we bring in. And he still says, I still love you through it all. 
For Jamie and Sarah, walking like Jesus means expanding their family. But it doesn't just mean expanding their family. It means helping other people expand their families. Because sometimes walking like Jesus means being selfless and self-sacrificing and means giving of yourself for the betterment of the whole. Special thanks to Jamie and Sarah McIntosh. What a spectacular interview. Thank you for taking that time. All of the links to the Forgotten Initiative and some of the other things that we talked about today will be in the show notes, so make sure you check that out. As always, make sure you support this podcast by doing three things. Number one, subscribe to it. Number two, give us a rating. And number three, give us a review. All of those things help this podcast and this mission of Jesus Never Ran to get in front of as many people as possible. Happy walking. We'll see you next time. Doing great things can be awfully difficult. That's why it's so important that we take time to enjoy ourselves. One of my favorite things to do is to hang out with some of my favorite people on my front porch, enjoying my favorite beverage from Infinity Beverages. You can order right off their website at www.infinitybeverages.com or if you are in Eau Claire, Wisconsin, stop by their tasting room and get a tour with winemaker Matthew Rick. That's Infinity Beverages, www.infinitybeverages.com. Proud sponsors of Jesus Never Ran and of Dreamers Everywhere.